The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 188 of the podcast, or are you joining us live on YouTube or on Facebook Live? Uh, if you missed last week's episode, we are now doing Facebook Live. Thanks to a, an upgrade on StreamYard, we're able to broadcast in both places. So if Facebook is your thing, then you can watch us live on Facebook and Join in on the conversation, whatever it may be about, uh, by commenting along. Um, normally, it's just people trolling us. Uh, in any case, today is Sunday, May 3rd, and um, beautiful Sunday afternoon. And I am joined all the way from New Jersey. He's sacrificing the beautiful weather outside to, to be here with you folks. Jeff, the animal, Wilson. Jeff. How you feeling on this fine Sunday afternoon, my friend? Well, I'm good. It's finally a nice day out. Yesterday was nice, too. They actually opened up some parks yesterday. But I don't know what the trend is going to be. You know, we're still in quarantine up until May 15th. So, mm-hmm. Bill, before we start, I just want to promote this book. Not that we're getting money for this or anything. But I've been reading one of my favorite authors. His name is Steve Barry. Um, he is... He does like history novels, but um, they're thriller spy novels, so they're very like National Treasury, very um, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. If you ever saw that movie, um, so he's got this series. Uh, his main character is named Cotton Malone, and he has a series of 15 books. I'm reading the first one, but I've this is the seventh book that I'm reading, but it um from him but it's the first book in the series and the cool thing is that um none of them are they are all related to each other you know they have the same main characters and stuff but you can read them in any order without spoiling the other ones um there's probably one major event that happens later on in the series that might spoil something for you but um that doesn't happen too frequently so um he basically tried- wait a second there's there's seven books, and you don't have to read them in any particular order, and it still makes sense? Right, because each story is individual unto itself. Okay. Yeah, but it's like the same main characters. Like, you'll see Cotton Malone and everyone, his former boss, Stephanie Nell. Um, so Cotton Malone's like a former uh, government operative, and he's always getting called back to, like, help Stephanie Nell with things. But he's been retired for about a year, uh, at least from the beginning of the very first novel. So um, you you learn a little bit about Cotton Malone. He's divorced. Uh, he has a son that he doesn't always get along with, but he's trying to fix that relationship. So he's a regular guy. Um, but it's cool seeing him, you know, get into these situations. And it's really cool to see how Steve Barry kind of uses historical events and uh, turns them into, like, a really cool story. Is the author related to Straw? No. <laughs> what do you mean? Strawberry? 
<laughs> oh man. Well, I think I think we've been quarantined for too long. We're running out of jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um no, we'll never run out of jokes. <laughs> but it it's funny, these episodes, if anybody goes back to watch the archives of, of us um during the quarantine, like we're always gonna have hats on because we can't get to a barber. And I was just telling yeah. you before we started recording, like my studio is upstairs in my house and it's kind of hot up here because I don't have the air conditioning uh, on during the day up here because because nobody's nobody's up here. So it's it's really uncomfortable wearing a hat right now, but I would be even more uncomfortable if I didn't wear it. Um, speaking of strawberries, Jeff, you're promoting some fine literature. I'm promoting alcohol, uh, local beer I'm sipping on here. Uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Company. You've been there, Jeff. Uh, we've enjoyed quite a few pints of theirs uh, during your visits here. And this is a strange beer because it's not something I thought I would like, but uh, I was like, let me just try something different. I want to support a local brewery, which is something you guys should be doing too. Don't forget about your local breweries. It's great if you order from local restaurants and support small businesses, but don't forget about those breweries. Even if you really like your Budweiser or Miller Lite or, or whatever, those guys are going to be fine through all this. Go go support some local breweries. Um, so this is a Twisted Strawberry Fest. So it's a golden ale, Jeff, and it, it's it's got strawberry and lime juice. Um, so three things that I don't particularly enjoy, golden ales, sweet, fruity stuff in the beer, and sour. Um, but for some reason, the three things all combined together, uh, are actually really good. Um, it, it's, it's a really light, refreshing beer. You can see it's got like this light kind of hazy golden color to it. And it tastes like, it tastes like real strawberry and lime. It's not like when something's strawberry flavored and it's like super sweet, you know, like a strawberry candy or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know for whatever reason like it's not something i would normally get like i said but i was like it's quarantine and i want to support one of my favorite breweries here um <clears throat> so i was like let me try it out and it, for some reason it just works like i would never reach for a golden ale i would i would never really reach for something like fruity um i would never reach for something sour but for some reason the way they all kind of play together uh it just works uh so it's it's a good beer, and I got it here in my my buddy guy glass, Jeff. Buddy guy, one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Um, I had tickets to see him a couple of weeks ago, uh, right here uh, in Clearwater, and you know we all know how that went. Um, everything got shut down, and and I, I was I was bummed about it because um, buddy guy is I think eighty four or eighty five years old now and the first time i saw him live i think he was i want to say 71 my dad was like hey i got tickets to go see uh buddy guy and i i knew of him i had seen him on like the eric clapton guitar festivals and stuff but i was like man i don't want to go see like this old guy and i don't really know any of his music jeff it was one of the best concerts i've ever been to the guy blew it out of the water nice. um that old man can still fucking shred and his voice is incredible too. Uh, one of the, one of the great blues vocalists of all time. Um, 
so yeah, I got my strawberry beer in my in my buddy guy glass, and buddy guy actually has his own beer. It's called Buddy Brew, or Buddy. Uh, I think it's Buddy's Brew. It's like a hey, Buddy Ale. Yeah, maybe Buddy Brew makes more sense, but I don't know if I'm confusing myself because Buddy Brew is a coffee shop in Tampa. Um, in any case, the beer is good. Support your local breweries. Uh, in addition to whatever other small businesses you've been supporting, you know, if you if you order takeout, don't don't get it from like Applebee's. You know, get it from like the little mom and pop pizza shop or or like, um, you know, the family-owned Thai place. You know, stuff like that. Uh, Jeff, if you've been wondering about the shirt I'm wearing, this happens to be the first ever MMA on the Rocks um, t-shirt. We got nice. the new, good. We got the new logo, and uh, my buddy Ryan from Team Reaper um his main company is rip life one you can see i'm holding up the back of the shirt here this is his logo with the uh, american flag there and says team reaper at the bottom and then on the front is our logo here jeff mma on the rocks over the top under the influence you guys all know the slogan um it, it's we're coming up on four years with this thing jeff so it's about damn time we started <laughs> started making some t-shirts um i don't know when they're going to be available um, for purchase, uh, that that's depending on a couple of things. You know, there there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now, um, and just like a lot of other things to prioritize. But the important thing is, we got some samples printed, and uh, we know what they're going to look like. And um, I, I'm happy with the way they came out. So I, I will keep everyone posted uh, as soon as those are available. I know a lot of people have been asking for a long time uh, about some merchandise, MMA on the Rocks merchandise. And, you know, of course, we'll do some other fun stuff. Maybe we'll do some shot glasses or something. We got it. We still got to I'm still waiting to hear from a listener who's a graphic designer who can design your logo, Jeff. <laughs> I need it. I need a panda bear eating a bowl of soup. <laughs> Dude, I mean, the shirt looks awesome. Yeah, it looks cool, right? Um, yeah, I, I like they got the American flag on there on the back. That's right. Because we're nothing if not patriotic as well on this show, Bill. That's true. That's true. We're, we're very patriotic. You know, we never talk about politics. We stay away from that shit. We leave that to the, the pundits and, and people on Facebook who like to argue with their family members. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I like it. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's like all it's like all you see. It, the, when I the, the rare times when I go on Facebook and I just see people and, and you know who who stands where. It's not like it's not like the good old days, Jeff, where where people could be like, you know, kind of on the fence or like, I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat, but we still agree on certain issues. No, now it's like you don't believe what I believe. You're the fucking enemy and I want to burn your house down while your whole family's inside of it. <laughs> yeah, Bill, the way I see it is whether you're left wing or you're right wing, it's the same bird. So who cares? Yeah, I always say too far left or too far right, you're too far gone. I like that. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I live by. Um, I'm not going to get into my politics on here, though, because uh, I'll piss off more people than I normally do just talking about mixed martial arts. Um, let's see. What else we got? Killer Hornets, murder Hornets on their way, uh, apparently have made an appearance in North America um, just when you thought it was safe to go outside. Uh, <laughs> and where do these murder Hornets come from, Jeff? Of course, from Asia. <laughs> Uh, apparently they've been spotted and they in um washington state i believe and they yeah. call them murder hornets because they they murder uh honeybees which of course is going to be terrible for the environment um they can kill people but you would have to get stung like a lot of times by like a bunch of them to die um it, you know a lot of the headlines you see are are just clickbait scare tactics like anything else but um, you know, it's an interesting, to, interesting thing to bring up with all this other shit we've been dealing with. It's like, oh, we can finally start to go outside again, like be safe, wear a mask. Like, oh, wait, there's murder hornets now. <laughs> well, Bill, I was actually reading a little bit about that just before we started. And it turns out that these things are like a danger for bee populations, like you said, uh -huh. like a couple of them can take out a beehive in a few hours. So they go in there, they eat bee larvae, and then um, they decapitate bees. Um, and, and if you get stung by one, it would take enough of them to kill you, but they release this neurotoxin. Um, but like you said, it would take a couple of them to kill you. But these things are huge, Bill. They're like two inches, like, big. That's, that's you know, they can, like, fit in, in your hand pretty comfortably. Um so, yeah, uh, not so much a danger to us, but definitely a danger to bee populations, which, you know, bees pollinate flowers, flowers grow seeds and nuts and honey and, you know, bees make honey. So that's important. So, you know, it could it could affect some food supply. But, Bill, if 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 the Asian continent has been able to deal with these things, I'm sure we'll figure something out. Yeah, I guess so. It's one of the few times in life where two inches sounds like a lot, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's, that's all you need, dude. Yeah. <laughs> two inches is a big bug. It's a small anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, what else we got? I don't. I don't want to jump right into MMA. I'm. I'm kind of enjoying this. This quarantine, like talking about other shit, like um. Uh, let's see. I started watching this series last night on Netflix called Hollywood. And, uh, it's about this, this gas station that was in Hollywood. Um, I'm not sure the time frame. I want to say like the forties or, or fifties or somewhere around there. Um, so it's like a period piece. And at this gas station, it's basically a male prostitution ring where um i guess like older women and stuff that have a lot of money they they come to the gas station they they have a password they say i want to go to dreamland and that means the guy gets in the car and goes to a hotel and uh you know they they do fun things there um and the guys make some money um <clears throat> and then you know the main character is like this struggling actor and then he finds out that he you, you know he can make a lot of money doing this, but then he finds out like he has to sleep with men also like a lot mm -hmm. of men come to the gas station and they want to go to dreamland too. Um, so I, I guess it was, uh, 
it was a, a controversial topic for the time, but you know, in Hollywood, it was, it was still pretty normal, um, for just like dudes to have a lot of sex with each other. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I, I watched, um, about an episode and a half so far and, uh, I, I'll, I'll keep giving it a, a, a try. Um, you know, it's something different than what I'm normally watching. Normally watch like a lot of horror movies and, and things like that. So trying to expand my horizons, Jeff, with, um, with the, the quarantine, you know, and then, uh, I did watch the Waco series. Um, so that, that was good. I thought it was well shot. I just felt like, um, it was a little bias, hmm. um, where, you know, the obvious intention was to make the ATF and the FBI look really bad, which I mean, look, they made, they made some bad calls there. Um, but I think they, they sympathize with the, with the cult a little bit too much. Cause if you yeah. knew, if you know the real story of what was really going on there, um, you, you know, they, they make, uh, they make David Koresh look like a really charismatic, like really compassionate guy kind of like, I, I don't know. You guys watch it for yourselves and, and make up your minds. I don't want to give up, uh, give to give away too much, but, um, I did, I did think that it was written in a way to, to make you feel certain things. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I talked to a couple of people about it and you know, there's varying opinions there. Um, but you know, watch it for yourselves. I, I don't want to spoil it, but it was, it was a good little six or seven episode, uh, series. So that was a, that was a good one. You got anything else you've been into Jeff? Yeah. Um, so Bill, when I was in college, I was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, working on my, um, senior thesis, which is basically a really long paper. And then I had to defend it at the end of the year. So basically prove my point. And uh, the topic that I chose was Sherlock Holmes, because uh, I was a, uh, I'm still, I am a really big fan of the Sherlock Holmes stories, and the point of my thesis was figuring out the um, influences behind uh, the the character Sherlock Holmes. So, Jeff, are yeah. you sure that this was college and not elementary? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, you're on fire, man. <laughs> I'm loving it. It's because we're we're doing this earlier in the day. <laughs> so oh, man, wait. we gotta do this like we gotta start doing this at like three o'clock more often, man. Because you are you're on it today. You're sharp, dude. I love it. But anyway, um, yeah. So my topic was Sherlock Holmes and some of the influences behind the character. Because Bill, this guy was so popular at the time, which is you know 1800s, early 19th century. This guy was so popular that people were sending mail to his address, thinking that somebody would respond. People thought he was a real person. And when these stories were written, you know, you got to remember, there was no internet. They were being released in, like, newspapers. So people just became so enthralled by the character that they, they thought that he could actually help them. So um, the point is, after doing a lot of research, I fell in love with the, the character, the stories, um, the influences behind the character, because he was based on this actual college professor that the author had um when he was in university and that prompted me to start re-watching this bbc show called sherlock uh, mm -hmm. and it stars martin freeman and benedict cumberbatch cumberbatch uh, is sherlock on the series and 
Uh, it's it got uploaded to Netflix. So I was really excited, and I've been rewatching it. And I just think that Cumberbatch just does such a good job of of the character, and it's a more modern take on the Sherlock Holmes story. So he'll use like text messages. He uses his phone and the internet as resources. But I think the spirit of the Sherlock Holmes stories is definitely there, and it's just really entertaining because um, like they're always hanging out together. Uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. So one of the jokes uh, that runs throughout the show is that they're dating each other, which is just hilarious because of how much time they spend together. So like little things like that are really good. But um, the whole spirit of the show is awesome. And the way he ends up solving mysteries, using technology to his advantage, um, using disguises. I just think all that stuff is just so cool. Yeah, I'm sure Netflix will put together one where they actually are dating at some point. <laughs> yeah, but instead of like the magnifying glass, he has like an app on his phone that magnifies stuff. <laughs> Is that a thing? No, but he does text the cops all the time. He texts people. Um, like in one episode, um, one of the characters who's been murdered. Uh, she's not a main character, but she's been murdered, and he like finds her phone by texting the phone and stuff. So uh, it's really clever. Uh, how they do it, how they modernize it, which I, I'm all for as a Sherlock Holmes nerd. Dude, I have to do that three times a day when my wife loses her phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> call my phone. I can't find it. At least three times a day. I believe not, it. Not as much, <laughs> not as believe much it. anymore because we, we don't leave the house that much, but it's like always we're trying to go somewhere. Like, wait, do I have my phone? Uh, I got to go back in the house. Call it so I can find it. Yeah, I believe it. <clears throat> I wish I could just talk to my phone and just say, Claudia lost her phone again, and it just starts calling it. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, so that's it, man. I, I haven't gotten too burnt out on the TV or anything yet because I've been, um, you know, keeping busy with projects outside, and, uh, you know, the, the kiddo owns the TV during the day. It's all Frozen, Monster Zinc. Um, Finding Nemo, she's added to her repertoire, and uh, Moana hmm. as well. Which Moana is a pretty funny movie. It's got the got the Rock plays like this, uh, like a demigod kind of thing. Have you seen Moana, Jeff? I have actually never watched that movie. You would like it. It's a it's a cute movie. Uh, it's got some good music, but. Yeah, uh, The Rock plays like this uh, Polynesian like god, and he's, he sings and stuff. He's actually a good singer. The yeah, Rock. yeah. Um, that was one of his bits when he was in WWE. There was, I remember this one bit where he sang, and people would say about The Rock that like if he wasn't good at something, you wouldn't see it on screen. So I, I imagined he was a pretty good singer. Yeah, yeah, he is. I've seen him like... Um, sing and, and play guitar uh, mm -hmm. a couple of times couple of internet videos oh and he's got a he's got his own tequila out now too which uh oh, I didn't know that. i've gotta i gotta check that out or uh <clears throat> even better we gotta have the rock on the show oh that's when you could have dude i don't want to ask the him rock on the rocks i don't want to ask him anything about wrestling just moana <laughs> and his tequila that's all it's <laughs> the only thing i want to ask him about oh in mma we could talk about MMA too. Well, yeah, he, he presented 
Jorge Masvidal with his belt. So, yeah, there was a lot of talk of the Rock uh, trying to come into MMA a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, it would have been a bad move. Nah, he wouldn't pass a USADA test. He'd walk into a USADA building and it would just well, explode. Well, remember, like when he left the WWE though, and he like got off the steroids and he got like real lean. That happened for a little while. Yeah, but he, then he like tripled in body mass. So yeah, that's, you know, I don't think he'd pass a USADA test. Like, I think the guy who like administers the USADA test would just walk up to him and be like, "No." Yeah, he would just home. like, dude, I can I can smell the steroids coming out of your sweat. He <laughs> 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 would just take like the litmus paper and let's like, just like wipe it on his arm and be like, "Dude." <laughs> like did you even try <laughs> oh man aren't you even gonna pull a john jones and hide under the octagon <laughs> no i don't think you'd fit under there dude yeah, that's a big man um but yeah i'd be interested to try his tequila yeah, Bill, there was the Undertaker used to talk about getting into MMA, you know, if, like it had been around when he was in his prime. Uh -huh. He actually yeah. like had a jujitsu move as one of his finishers a couple years. Well, actually, more like a decade ago. Yeah, I remember that. It was awkward because he's like six foot eight and he'd be putting people in triangle jokes. Like, yep. dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're dead. We gotta know jujitsu for. <laughs> I think you should just retire. Dude, the, the dude makes like seven million dollars to wrestle once a year. Like it just. I mean, whatever. Let him. That would that'd be great if he could wrestle. I mean, he's like a thousand years old now. Yeah, but you know, if he's still making the money, why would he retire? I guess that's true, but you come at out, this take, point. take a few bumps and bruises, and then you, then he goes and and recovers and rides motorcycles and shit and wh whatever he does. The Undertaker was awesome when he first came out. Like that dude was scary, and he had he had that little fat guy Paul Bearer follow him around. Remember that guy? Yeah, he was weird. Yeah, but that guy was fucking creepy too. Yeah, I was talking about Paul Bearer. <laughs> um dude like i think i was more scared of him than the undertaker yeah um that that was that was when the the wrestling was really fun like i, I don't mean like i don't mean the time period i mean like when i was a kid <laughs> yeah yeah then something happened after like 2006 where it just got just got really boring very very soap opera ish yeah um, and then they all, they all had to get like clean cut and like, they couldn't party and do drugs anymore. Like those are the best days too. When like Jake, the snake was like high on cocaine and he was like fucking lost his snake and <laughs> he, had, he had to get a new Python in every city he went to. <laughs> It would be like it would be like different colors and shit. And you're supposed to believe it. it's always the same snake. <laughs> he, um, man. he'd get so high on drugs and he would like lose it or it would it would die in his luggage or something. Oh man. Peter would have a field day nowadays with that. 
They the um have you watched the the Jake the Snake uh documentary, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake? No. Oh man, that that's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's uh they Diamond Dallas Page, who hmm. was uh, he was big in uh WCW back in the day. Yeah. And he created his own uh yoga system, which is like the marketing essentially boils down to it's yoga for men. Uh, you know, but it's like uh it's doing yoga to like build strength. He never he never comes comes out and says like, yeah, it's yoga for men, but like that's pretty much that's pretty much what it is, the, the way he's marketing it. But uh he he goes and finds Jake the Snake, who's like an alcoholic and abusing drugs, and his kids won't talk to him. And he he brings him to his home and like rehabilitates him and gets him sober and makes him do the yoga and um like basically like brings him back to life i'm not ruining anything by telling you that because the name of the documentary is the resurrection of jake the snake so obviously he gets resurrected um <clears throat> but yeah the, the documentary is amazing and then the follow-up to the documentary um that you also need to watch is um Jake the Snake on Joe Rogan experience. Uh, so after, but, but watch that after you watch a documentary. And then he tells some even more crazy stories about um, the pro wrestling back in the day. I love stuff like that. Um, the the stories of like the old, the old pro wrestlers and like all the crazy shit that would go on backstage and all the, the drugs and the partying, like the, uh, the Ric Flair 30 for 30, and the Andre the Giant HBO documentary, all that stuff is so interesting. Those guys, those guys were fucking animals. You know, they would like party all night, like wake up and like lift weights and then go do a show somewhere in like bumfuck Arkansas and then party all night there and then move on to the next town, wake up and lift weights and do coke. Um, and, and then put their bodies through like such a beating, which, which makes it even more amazing that some of these guys are still like able to do stuff like guys like the rock. Cause he was like, right, right at the tail end of all that. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he can still do like movies and like, <clears throat> you know, have all these different brands and everything and, and still be able to work out the way he does is, is amazing. Cause a lot of these guys, they end up dying young from like heart failure, from all the drugs and all the steroids and everything else. Anyway, we've gone way off on a tangent now, Jeff, but uh resurrection of Jake, the snake. That's, um, that's a great documentary. I would definitely recommend that. And I don't think I really watched anything else that's, that's worth mentioning, but that's an older one. That, that one I watched a while ago. Okay, yeah, I might have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, you'd like it. It's 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 a wild story. Um, and and then uh, it, throughout the course of it, like while he's rehabilitating in Diamond Dallas Page's house, he also brings in. There's this wrestler called Razor Ramon. You remember him? Yeah. So he was having like the same problem. So he brought him in the house too. So it was like the two of them. It was like, he had like two big babies. He was taking care of <laughs> like instead of all, like six foot six, like 300 something pounds. And it's big babies. 
Yeah, um, Scott Hall, I think, was his real name, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that was it, Scott Hall. But speaking of real names, Bill, so there, Bill, I don't want to believe the hype because, you know, I'm more of a pessimist just because I would rather be surprised than disappointed. Okay. So, so Bill, there's rumors going around that May 9th, we finally get a card after about tw- after 28 weeks of quarantine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bill, what do you think? What are the chances of this happening? <laughs> I feel the same way I do um, as, as like the last time Nate Diaz was going to fight where I was like, I'll believe it when the cage is locked and, and the referee says, let's fight. And like maybe 10 seconds after that, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of in the same boat with this. Like I, I have, I'm looking at the card in front of me right now and top to bottom. It's one of the most stacked cards we've seen in a long time. So it's like, I don't want to get excited about it because so many things can go wrong. Like one, it's taking place in Florida. We all know what a shit show Florida is. It's going to be in Jacksonville, um, which is one of the worst places in Florida. Like a lot of the Florida man stories you hear, they either come from like Pasco County, which is over here on the on the west side, or like Jacksonville, and and then like every other shithole in Florida that, that comes after that. Um, so you got that. Then you got Disney that could come in and and swing their dick around at any given moment, and you got ESPN could step in, and you got. Uh, state athletic commission, you know, the, the governor seems to be pretty laissez faire about it. Um, and this again relates to the WWE stuff because, um, WWE was, or pro wrestling was declared an essential business in Florida because, uh, Linda McMahon is, is in Trump's pocket and, you know, a whole, whole bunch of politics there that we don't need to get into. It's neither here nor there, but, because of that, the the UFC kind of rode the coattails of that being essential um, to be able to put this event together. And <clears throat> he's not just doing one, Jeff. He's going to do three events within a week. It's going to be Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, I believe. But um, I guess let's uh, let's play pretend for a little while and. Uh, Let's say this thing actually happens. Um, I, I guess we can break this down. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I remember how to do this, Jeff. I'm a, I'm a little, a little rusty. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, let me give you the first fight and just see what you think about it. So the main event on Saturday, Bill, and I'm not going to say next week because according to the Jewish calendar, it is next week. So this week's fight card main event is tony ferguson versus justin gaethje for what would be tony ferguson's second interim title belt at 155 bill what do you see happening here well the the fight itself is really interesting because i love the fight um because of these two guys that are are never boring to watch um and, and they have it's going to be an interesting stylistic matchup, but I hate this fight because it's going to 
possibly make it impossible for us to see Tony versus Khabib. You know, if Tony Ferguson loses here, uh, then Justin Gaethje's going to be the interim champ. Khabib's not going to fight again until after Ramadan sometime in September, I think he said. So then it would be Gaethje versus Khabib September-ish. Um, you know, Khabib's not one to jump right back in there. Tony Ferguson would have to put like two wins together. Um, and at his age, like 35 or 36, it's not looking good for him to get back to that title picture. But for the actual fight itself, this is a fun fight. Um, Tony Ferguson is a guy who can absorb a lot of punishment, but he gets hit a lot. Um, and Justin Gaethje is not a guy that you want to let hit you a lot. Mm. <laughs> um, and Tony's a good wrestler. Uh, he's, he has very solid wrestling, but, um, you know, Justin Gaethje was a D one all American. Uh, so good luck taking that guy down, uh, and, uh, avoiding those big power punches. Um, so I, Tony's going to have to have a game plan where he, uh, holds Justin up against the cage, dirty boxing, uh, use those sharp elbows, um, wear on his arms, try and get his arms tired. That's going to be the key to victory for Tony Ferguson here for Justin Gaethje. It, it, we always know what the game plan for Justin Gaethje is. It's he has one speed and that's go. Um, and he's just going to be swinging for the fences, throwing in those nasty leg kicks. Uh, you're not going to see him attempted to take down. And if you do, he'll just pick you up and spike you on your head and let you right back up again. So you keep punching you in the face. Um, which is why these are two of the most exciting fighters. Um, you know, that if you look at that picture of, of the Tony Ferguson's like last nine opponents or whatever it was, and it just looks, it just looks like a fucking, like a serial killer spree, you know, it's like something out of a horror movie. It's like these nine people survived Tony Ferguson. Barely. <laughs> Bill, do you see anything in terms of cardio issues for either of these guys? Do you think that this goes to five rounds? <clears throat> uh, no, I don't. Um, I see the most the most likely scenario for Tony winning is a, a cut stoppage. Uh, you know, Gaethje's a bleeder. And, and Ferguson's real good at, at cutting people in the right spots, right above the eyes with those elbows. And, um, the most likely, uh, method of victory for Gaethje is, is a knockout. I mean, he's, he's going to be trying to knock Tony out, uh, from start to finish. Like he's not a guy who's just trying to edge out a decision and outpoint you. Um, and neither guy is really, um, and as far as cardio, I don't think we've ever seen cardio issues uh, from Justin Gaethje. We've just seen him, uh, he, you know, we've just seen his brain shut off from getting hit too much. <laughs> and, like, yeah. even then he keeps fighting. <laughs> like, his instinct is to keep fighting. Even when his, his brain is like, dude, enough. Like, <laughs> But his body's like, no, we got to finish this. <laughs> So, um, no, I don't see cardio being an issue, but I also don't see it going, um, hi, Ariana, going the full five rounds. And here's my daughter <laughs> making her appearance on the show. Can you say hi, everybody? 
<laughs> Hi, Ariana. She's got her little stuffed elephant. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, that's Jeff. <laughs> Say hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> hi, Ariana. <laughs> okay, can you go? Can you go back with mommy and play? Daddy's almost done with the show, and then I'll and then I'll come play with you. Okay. Did fun. Yeah, yeah, we're having fun. <laughs> All right, we got to talk about some fighting. Okay, can you go with mommy? No. <laughs> uh, she's an independent woman. Um, oh, man. Harry, take it for a second, Jeff. I'm just going to shut the door here. Yeah, go for it. So, <clears throat> co-main event. Actually, I'll give you my opinions on Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. And, Bill, I think you highlighted a lot of their strong points and stuff. Um, I don't see this fight actually going to the ground too much just because both of these guys, you know, they enjoy the stand-up. And honestly, Bill, I think that their ground games would neutralize each other. I think that Tony Ferguson, while... Yes, Justin Gaethje is the better wrestler. I think that Tony Ferguson is not someone you want to be on top of just because he can fight off his back really, really well. We've seen him win fighting off his back, uh, especially against Kevin Lee. So I don't know if if we're going to see too much groundwork in this fight. I think it's going to be a stand-up war. And I think that your analysis of Tony Ferguson's road to victory, I think you're on the ball there. I think that he cannot give Justin Gaethje too much breathing room. He has to keep him up against the cage. He has to keep him, you know, with his back to the wall here. Um, so, Bill, um, I have a bias in this next one in the co-main event. We have Henry Cejudo versus the single greatest bantamweight of all time, Dominic T Cruz. TJ Dillashaw is not on this card. <laughs> no, we already beat TJ Dillashaw. We don't care about him. <laughs> but, um, Bill, I'm really excited. Um, for me personally, as much as I'm excited for the main event, the co-main event, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz, I think is going to be a barn burner. Um, I think that Dominic Cruz's footwork is going to be – it's going to have to be perfect in this fight. Henry Cejudo is – someone who you don't want him getting his hands on you because of the wrestling. You know, the student won an Olympic gold medal in wrestling. Um, you know, his trash talk is cringeworthy, but the guy's a stud, man. Mm -hmm. He's won Olympic gold medal, two UFC belts in different weight classes. He's not someone that you want on top of you. Um, you know, his striking, while it has gotten better in his last couple of fights, you know, he's still very straightforward, very right down the pipe. He's going to come forward at you. But I think that if Dominic Cruz can kind of stay out of his way a little bit, stay away from Henry Cejudo's power, I think he can win. But of course, Bill, I'm biased. So give me a more objective opinion on this. Yeah, I, I've been going back and forth with this one. I think, I think it's a smart call out by Cejudo, first of all, because um, you know, Dominic Cruz is definitely not deserving of a title shot right now. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he hasn't won a fight since 2016. Uh, so no, he hasn't lost since 2016. <laughs> what do you, what's not to, what's not to deserve here? He's undefeated since 2016. Well, there are, there are a couple of people way ahead of him in line, like Aljamain Sterling. Um, and then, you know, there's the other division where Cejudo is the uh, the champ as well. We got um, Benavidez taking a backseat for this fight as well. Um, 
Oh, wait, Benavidez lost his last fight. Never mind. Uh, in any case, I think it would be easy for Cejudo to underestimate Dominic Cruz here. Um, you know, it, it's an older Dominic Cruz. It's coming off a long layoff. And that's the logical first thought where, oh, Dominic Cruz is going to take advantage of Cejudo um, taking him lightly. But uh, I don't think Cejudo takes anything lightly. It, the guy is a total goofball. Um, you, you know, like Dominic Cruz says, he doesn't even really have an identity uh, outside of like winning and competing. Um, you, you know, the guy knows when to turn it on. When he's focused on something, uh, he's he's a hundred percent. He he wants to win, um, and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. What can he do to win against Dominic Cruz? Uh, that's going to be the hard part. Uh, because Dominic Cruz's style is a really bad matchup for Henry Cejudo, who, like you said, he comes straight forward. Uh, he he's added some good boxing and some power punching, um, you know, to his toolbox since he started in MMA, uh, which wasn't even that long ago, uh, if you think about it. And and yeah, his wrestling is phenomenal, but Dominic Cruz is a great wrestler too. And good luck getting a hold of one of Dominic Cruz's legs. The guy's legs move nonstop. Uh, and, and for a wrestler, that's one of the hardest things to deal with. You go to grab a leg and it's not there. And then you're you're getting hit with a with a punch on the way up, or you're getting hit with a knee on the way up um for for changing levels to try and grab that leg that's just not gonna be there. Um so the constant movement of Dominic Cruz, I think Cejudo is going to have a hard time with it. He what he needs to do is cut off the cage, um, it, you know, force Dominic Cruz to back up um, and and bully him, and and that's the key to victory for Henry Cejudo there. For Dominic Cruz, uh, we know what he's going to do. It's just you know, can Henry Cejudo stop it? I don't think so, but I tend to underestimate Henry Cejudo every time. I didn't think he was going to beat Dillashaw. Um, I didn't think he was going to beat Mighty Mouse. And, you know, the guy just finds ways to win. So I, I think it's a very interesting matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, and, yeah, just seeing Henry Cejudo, you know, overcome the odds because a lot of people were nervous he wasn't going to win an Olympic gold medal either. You know, he – coming out of high school, went into, you know, the national team, basically. So really interesting story for Henry Cejudo. Um, NBC just released um, his, the video of him winning the gold medal. So if you haven't watched it, definitely go check it out. They talk a little bit about his family. Um, so for me, you know, that that kind of hit home, you know, as, a, as another young Hispanic. Um, so seeing Henry Cejudo, you know, overcome the odds essentially, uh, was pretty cool, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know, Bill, um, it could go, it could go either way with this one, but that's, what's so exciting about it is that unpredictability. Um, <clears throat> and you know, this, this isn't, I don't know, man, I just feel like Dominic Cruz, he moves better than Dillashaw and he's not going to be, you know, doing an extreme weight cut that he hasn't done before. Um, this is nothing new to Dominic Cruz. Um, but Henry Cejudo also, you know, has a lot of advantages coming from 125 to 135. Yeah. Um, so, Bill. And the other thing about Dominic Cruz is, um, yeah, he's had a long layoff, but he won't get in that cage in, unless he's ready to get in the cage, which is why he takes so much time off to, to heal his injuries and stuff like that. And he also doesn't believe in ring rust. Now, mm. 
you can agree with him or you can disagree with him, but if he doesn't believe in it and he's able to fight like he doesn't believe in it and it's not a factor for him, um, then it's not going to be a factor. Uh, it's like if you if you believe something works, then it works. You know, if you take a certain supplement and you think it makes your knee pain go away, then it makes your knee pain go away, uh, even if it scientifically doesn't do that. Mm. Uh, so that's something to think about. <clears throat> but speaking of scientifically, two genetic freaks, <laughs> Francis Ngannou and Gyrozinho Rosenstrike. Um, I've been telling you guys about Rosenstrike for well over a year now uh, to keep your eye on this guy. Um, he, the guy was a monster in, in Muay Thai. Uh, he's got a ton of striking experience, 10 and 0 in MMA, almost saw his first loss against Alistair Overeem in his last fight, um, took a beating from Overeem. Overeem was going to win that fight handily. And then he got his face busted open. One of the most vicious, uh, injuries from a punch I've ever seen when Rosenstrike connected with Overeem's lip and, and just almost knocked it off his face. Um, <clears throat> I hope we're not going to see another Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou fight, but I don't mm. think we will. Um, Rosenstrike is not afraid to engage with anybody. Um, and he's not afraid to get hit. That could be his downfall with someone like Ngannou because it, it he might be able to take, you know, Alistair Overeem's best shot, like a, like a later in career Alistair Overeem, but you're not going to take a, lot, a whole lot of shots from Francis Ngannou. This guy is a, is a fucking human monster truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's an accurate description. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on this one? Bill, I'm excited, man. I think someone goes to sleep probably in that first round. Um, I think that, uh, like you said, Ngannou, you know, his strikes come at you hard. And I think that Rosenstrike is not going to want to deal with that. So he's going to want to finish early as well. You know, when the power is, you know, nobody's tired yet. Nobody has been uh, throwing too many punches. Nobody has been exerting themselves. So I think there's going to go, you know, it's going to be put to bed in the first round. I think that neither one wants to deal with the other's power. And the best way to deal with that is to take him out in the first round. So I think both of these guys are going to be swinging for the fences. It's going to be a really exciting fight. I re I, I agree with you. I really don't think we're going to see another uh, Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou Hill uh, here. But, um, Bill, I'm excited for a lot of these fights, man. Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater. We have Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis, too, on here. Uh, Alexi Olenek versus Fabricio Verdum. Bill, uh, any any fights that stand out to you on this card? Wh which ones? What's your dark horse pick here? Oh, the the fight of the night, for me, the obvious choice is Jeremy Stevens and Calvin Cater. Um, th these are two guys who both like to come forward. They're both used to chasing their opponents. Uh, Calvin Cater has much cleaner striking, much cleaner boxing. Um, if he can keep Jeremy Stevens at the end of his jab, uh, that would be good for him. Um, and, and we're going to see him really get tested in a way that we haven't seen him tested before because he's used to hunting his opponents down. You don't have to hunt for Jeremy Stevens. He lets you know exactly where he's going to be. And that's going to be right in your face. Um, as far as ferocity, these are two of the most ferocious guys in the division. I would give Jeremy Stevens a little bit of the edge there. Um, 
so is the cleaner technique going to be enough to to kind of quiet the the ferocious edge that Jeremy Stevens has? I don't know. Um, and and these are both guys who can take a punch. So um, this one could end in 15 seconds. It could be you know a slugfest for 15 minutes. Um, either way, I think it's going to be um, you know the spectacle of the night if I had to pick one. Nice. And, and then uh yeah pettis and and cerrone is is a rematch from gosh the, the wec and uh pettis uh knocked out cerrone with a body kick in that first fight uh in the first round like a minute something into the first round if i remember correctly and i'll find the year for you guys right now that was in 2013 so seven years ago both guys have been through a lot um you know, Anthony Pettis would go on to become UFC champion after that. They both have had ups and downs in their careers. Uh, this one is like, who's going to show up? You know, mm. are the best cowboy against the best Pettis? Probably not. Um, it's like, you know, if the best cowboy shows up, Cowboy's going to win. If the best Pettis shows up, Pettis is going to win. Uh, it's like flip a coin here. Um <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, Verdum and Olenek is a really fun fight. Um, I see Verdum probably trying to keep this one on the feet. You know, he does a lot of the wild striking and stuff. Um, he could very easily knock Olenek out in the first round. Uh, if it goes to the ground, that's what I really want to see because you have two of the best grapplers in the history of the heavyweight division here. I would love to see some grappling exchanges here. I just don't know how likely it is. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, dude, um, I agree with you. I want to see it. I don't know if we're going to, though. You know, Olenek is just as good on the feet as he is on the ground. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum also has shown some improved striking. But, man, I wouldn't be upset if they turn this into just a grappling match, dude. Uh, yeah. You have multiple-time jiu-jitsu world champion in Fabrizio Verdum. And Alexi Olenek, who was no slouch either, man, uh, famous for that... Um, Ezekiel choke where he's facing you, which, you know, uh, I mean, that Ezekiel choke where he's on the bottom, you know, you never see that. You have to have an unbelievable squeeze for that, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, half the Ezekiel choke is is gravity doing its work for you. Um, so I'm really excited for that one. Bill, I'm excited for this entire card, man. I mean, the first fight on the prelims, because I'm if on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 if it happens. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I forgot I'm a pessimist. I'm a pessimist. So, um, <laughs> So if it happens, uh, I'm really excited for Uriah Hall versus Jakare Swoza, which is the this is the first fight on the prelims, dude. Um, and then on the early prelims, you have Vicente Luque versus Nico Price, uh, Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey. I mean, this card top to bottom is unbelievable. Yeah, oh, it's so unbelievable that I really, really hope it happens. Yeah, Charles Rosta and Bryce Mitchell, uh, the undefeated Bryce Mitchell, who who's been campaigning for his camouflage fight kit i don't know if they delivered on that or not uh and then we got carla esparza and michelle waterson so the former champ and the and the former uh can oh no she never fought for the title never mind and just no, she was so... a champion of victor that's true but yeah but that one's gonna pounds. be 
Yeah, that one's going to be great, dude. I, you know, Carlos Barza, someone we haven't seen in a while. Michelle Waterson always puts on a really good show. So top to bottom, Bill, this whole card looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, that Vicente Luque and Nico Price fight is going to be nuts. Also, Nico Price is a guy you never know what you're going to get from that dude. He's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. All right. Well. Now I'm officially excited about this card, Jeff. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna feel horrible if this fight doesn't. If this card yeah, doesn't right? take place. Oh, like, what if, we're gonna have to talk. What are we gonna talk about net next week? Like, just more Netflix movies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess people like. You know, I've been getting some good feedback on the episodes lately. You know, people kind of like when we talk about random bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not just like MMA all the time, but you know, we, we did have a mission when we first started this thing almost four years ago, Jeff. Yeah. But we didn't account on a global pandemic, you know, ruining our plans there. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, I got plans to uh, grill some burgers and, and have a couple more beers. Uh, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. And um, you got anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I just enjoyed having your daughter come on the show, man. It was hilarious because <laughs> I do, I do. You couldn't see it, but I saw her like walk uh, right at the corner of the screen, just walk in. Oh, I saw it. I <laughs> oh, saw you it. did? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just had to keep my poker face, you know. Uh, oh man, it was awesome. Yeah, she makes an appearance every now and then uh, when she sneaks up on me. This is why we usually do the episodes at night now. <laughs> <laughs> she, she'll, she'll somehow like hunt me down in the house and find where I am. Uh, and even if I lock the door, it's still, uh, you know, she's hard to wrangle, man. She's freakishly strong for a two year old. Uh, so now I gotta, I gotta go play with her and, uh, make some burgers and just chill with her. Watch, watch some frozen, maybe Moana. I don't know. Uh, in any case, uh, UFC 249, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but if it does, now man, it has to happen. Oh, we talked about it. Yeah, we we can will it to happen, Jeff. We can we just put those positive vibes out there. All right, um, I'll keep you guys posted on on the shirts and uh, remember to support your local breweries. Uh, again, Tampa Bay Brewing Company. Uh, they're not a sponsor, but I, I want to give them another shout out because they're one of my favorite breweries. So, if you guys live in the Tampa Bay area, please go and support them. Uh, stop buying your big brand beers for a little while and, and go support some small breweries. Uh, and that's it, man. I hope everybody's staying safe out there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep doing this show no matter what happens, whether there's a card next week or not, we'll be here. Uh, same rocks time, same rocks channel. All right. That's all we got until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>